sometimes I get concerned that my dog doesn't know how much I love her. Like I, like I, I don't know that she can compute what it actually means, but I can just try to be good to her. She knows, Ben. She knows. That's funny. <laughs> I've seen the pictures you post of that dog. Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 63. And on today's show, we're going to talk about death. But (laughs) as usual, uh, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. But I guess before I forget, because I usually would, I'll mention Carol couldn't be with us tonight. She had something come up at the last minute, scheduling conflict. So it's a boys show tonight. Like I said, it's my turn to go first. I'm going to start us off with a triumph. Basically, we have this part of our application that is pretty computationally expensive and very valuable. Like the users love it. They use the heck out of it. And so it finally got to the point where it was time to, it's been <laughs> past the time to refactor it out to to be sort of its own separate service so that it doesn't bring down the entire application and suffer from lag or, or cause the rest of the application to lag because of its usage. So I've been working on that for about a week. I was TDDing it. Everything is going fantastic with that. I'm just really happy to have the opportunity to solve a hard problem, right? Can you talk more about what the area of the application is doing? Yeah, so we've talked about this a bit. This is the tool that is used for segmentation. Mm. So we define a whole bunch of different criteria and those criteria have can be combined and we build a SQL statement or a combination of SQL statements to create a segment of the audience, of the, the constituency. And... Those queries, especially for if there's a lot of criteria, that process of like creating and generating one list can be a pretty big yeah, lift, sure. as it were. So I'd like to admit that I throw out the word cohort sometimes. Mm. I don't really know what cohort means, but it, I feel like it makes me sound very intelligent. <laughs> it's like tranche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I've seen that. I used to work at the University of Pennsylvania, and they had cohorts within each class year so like you would be the the class year of 2000 or whatever but then you'd have like i think there would be three or four cohorts within the class year so i think it's just sort of a a way of further breaking down but i don't think that at least in the case of those university student cohorts i don't think that they were like segmented based on some aspect of the person right it wasn't like boys here and girls there just like next thousand people right randomly assigned sort of interesting to the best of my knowledge, I could be completely wrong. Next week, I have to start building a uh, migration system that's going to help mirror some of the data in one system in another system. And we have to end up migrating something like maybe 6 million records or something. And I have decided to call the group of next users that we're going to migrate a cohort. And uh, again, I just feel very fancy every time I say it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's an arbitrary collection of records. There you go. Oh, man. Speaking of migrating records and and large amounts of data, another thing that's been going on this week is we've just kind of been hitting a wall with performance for a variety of reasons. The Like those lists. we So every person that's on a list, we call that a list member, surprisingly enough. And so our list member table, a single person can appear in that list member table more than once if they're on more than one list, right? And... 
we were starting to run into some trouble and found that list member table was over, if I remember correctly, over 42 million rows. And we took a quick stab at like, okay, well, how many of these lists have never been used for anything and, and are like significantly old? And we were able to like easily clean out 14 million rows, which was like, <laughs> uh, on one hand, that's like awesome. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but that barely put a dent in it. <laughs> so. Here's something I struggle with. When I have a number of tables that are related under a singular concept, mm-hmm. but inside of an application that has a lot of different concepts. So right now you're talking about list management. Oh yeah. Where I might have lists and list members and like list delivery status. And this is all just about yeah. lists. A bunch of related yeah. tables for one sort of module of the application. When I have to, in one table, reference a column from the other table in that same mm-hmm. little local group, I go back and forth on whether or not I want to prefix that value with the the type of thing that we're talking about. So like you have your list member table. If I have another table that wants to reference that, do I call it the list member ID or do I just call it the member ID with the assumption that everything in this little set of tables is referring to lists? So prefixing anything with lists would be somewhat redundant. And I don't know how I feel about it. And I go back and forth. I, I do too. Yeah. I do the same thing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm already, when I referenced the table, I got list member. I'll just call it ID, right? So list member dot ID. But then it's like, but then sometimes I have the query and it's like, if I don't specify the table, then it's like ID is ambiguous. If I made it have yeah, a yeah, distinct yeah. name, it would never be ambiguous. So I, I go back and forth there. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to vary on that a lot myself. And I feel like I've kind of settled into a pretty good routine, which is that I include the entire table name and then suffix it with ID for the primary key. And then do not do that for any of the other columns in the table. So in this case, list member ID, because the table's called list member, list ID on the list table. But yeah, uh, there was a time in my career and in school where I was convinced that every column in the table needed to have the full table name. So it would be like, (laughs) list member email address. (laughs) Like, it's really expressive, I guess you could say. Like, it's extremely clear what's what, but it's also murder on your line length. Bit redundant. I got to do exactly what what you do uh, most of the time. Na- yeah, namespacing in general is just challenging. In part because it's like you run into limitations of the. I don't want to say technology, but you run into limitations of how you're actually organizing your application code and your components and your database schemas. It's like if there was a really easy way to to just segment little. I don't want to call them domain boundaries because I feel like that's not something. The cohort. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a circle <laughs> but you know like if I could just if I had a say an additional database schema just for that set of tables then I would reduce the uh, verbosity of the table names themselves probably and then the and then the foreign key references within them but it's the same thing with a uh, dependency injection in the server side code where if I have a, a dependency injection container and everything has to be globally uniquely named within the application, then I start coming up with some crazy <laughs> component names just because they have to be unique. Whereas if I could if I could have folders of folders, kind of more like a Java style namespacing, it'd be easier, but then it'd be harder to, I, I don't know. New record, Ben getting quacked before the 10-minute yeah, right? mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. So that was me, my triumph. I guess, Tim, that brings us to you. 
Well, I got a failure. So and okay. this happened to me from time to time. I, I, I get stuck in a, not, not stuck, but I just get into a rhythm and I just not fully paying attention. I spent it over an hour today changing code and local and then going to my browser and refreshing and, and wondering why it didn't change. The reason was because I was making the change in local, but I was refreshing and testing in the QA environment which I hadn't promoted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Okay, quick poll. Raise your hand if you've never right. done this. And all the listeners, you're included. <laughs> Look at that. Nobody's, Nobody's hand is up. See? Yeah, it, but you, you do that, you feel so stupid. And you start coming up with these esoteric reasons why I'm clearing caches and, and checking stuff. I'm like, and then it's eventually I look up at my browser. I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah, I'm not in local. <laughs> you dummy. Give me that hour back. I have that sometimes where... Usually when I have my Chrome DevTools open, there's a little checkbox in the network tab that says disable cache so that as you're making changes to your local JavaScript and CSS and HTML, mm-hmm. uh, the Chrome always goes and gets the new version. But every now and then, I need to make sure that cache headers are working. So I'll re-enable the cache so that I can make sure that cache hits are happening and things are not being refetched. And then I'll forget that I do that because I almost never do it. And then it's exactly the same kind of thing where I'm making changes locally and I'm refreshing and they're not there. And I'm like, what? And I'm going to start logging stuff to the console and I'm checking my my uh, terminal output and everything seems like it's working. And then, yeah, like 15 minutes will go by and I realize, ah, network caching. Yeah, I was even running my, t- I was running my unit tests and they were passing, you know, 100%. I'm like, it should be working. <laughs> I'm running the QA unit test, not my local ones. But I'm I'm sure listeners are sick of me bragging about my family. But on on a positive side, my results came out this week, and my son is indeed the valedictorian. So that's awesome! Nice, congratulations! Super proud of him. He's super excited, and yeah, way to go, Max. uh, He's working on his speech. So, yo, two speeches in in one half year. Yeah, right. Dinner, and then now now a speech. So super proud. Out of control. Very cool. Well, that's me. Carol is out today, so we'll skip over to you, Ben. I'm going to go with a triumph this week, and that's that I built a thing. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I. this is basically the same story as last week, which is on Monday or something, I had an idea, and then I just started chipping away at it. And then today at like 4 p.m., I turned on, I'm going to call the very unthrilling MVP version of that thing in production. But it's very exciting for me because at the onset of starting to build this feature, I was actually quite unmotivated and it felt overwhelming. But as I've been trying to focus on in the past, if I can just solve the next problem and then the next problem after that, and i and and then it just starts to it starts to materialize in front of me, and then finally it's sort of done, and then I can turn it on. But it's I, I've been really leaning heavily into this phrase that it's not good enough, but not good enough is better than nothing. And and in that vein, I just like I just want to get something in front of the users so that they can try it out and provide feedback. And I'm not going to worry about gold plating it, and I'm not going to worry about polishing it, and I'm just going to throw it out there and see what happens, see what sticks. And yeah, I feel like it was a successful week. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm very close to finishing up an MVP that I started today. Well, the thing I was doing today that I was testing and screwing up on, yeah, I'm probably tomorrow I'll wrap up the MVP and, and get it in production. I love it when you can do something in, in a couple of days. And just like you, I was avoiding doing this. I'm like, you know what? Just open the code and just yep. write the write the first part. This all this is all text messaging stuff where you're sending reminders, text messages, and so I'm like, just build the part where you, you can opt in or opt out. Just build that part. 
and I built that. And then the next thing you know, I, I pretty much almost finished. So love it when you can kind of just motor along. That's why I'm so tired right now. I'm keep yawning. It's like, <laughs> I started this thing. I was working up right up until we started recording. I think like I didn't want to stop. So my brain hurts. Well, I mean, again, speaking of building things and, and finishing this the thing that I listed as my triumph, this whole sort of mini project I've been working on, I almost listed it as a failure because I spent like a week working on it and pushing really hard because I was like, oh, I, I might be able to get this done in a week. And I got sort of I think I've talked in the past about the phrase feature complete, mm-hmm. how like that's different than done. Yep. Right. Yep. Feature pl- complete is sort of just the first milestone. And I got caught up in think in reaching feature complete. And I, that was what I was seeing at the end of that first week. Like, Oh, I can get there. And then, so that's the first 90%. And then I've spent the, the last week, sort of the second week on this project doing the second 90%. No, 90%. And, <laughs> and that last 10% is the second 90%. Always yeah, doing the unsexy and, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Just like bugs and wiring stuff together. And yeah, it's just. Yeah, for me, like doing the it, logging and reporting is like the least exciting part. I want to see the feature work, but it's like, okay, I need, I really need to mm-hmm. be logging all this stuff. I really need to be building things to report on it. And just like, it doesn't crank my gears. <laughs> yeah. Hello, my smart friends. If you're anything like me, you're either at your desk programming or you're on the go. With a busy schedule, it can be hard to carve out time to catch up on your latest books or maybe revisit some of your old favorites. Luckily, there's audible.com which allows you to listen to just about any book, whether you're walking the dog, getting swole at the gym, or just hiding from your kids. And today, we've got a special offer just for you. Head on over to workingcode.dev slash audible and pick up a free credit for your first auditory adventure. Okay, let's talk about death. Really? It's it's coming for us all. Uh Yeah. I mean, uh, so this all started because one of our patrons and a, a member of our Discord posted a link today to this uh, GitHub repository. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. And it's basically, the way I read it is, it's sort of a checklist or a guide for something that you can leave in a safe place so that in the event of your death, the people that depend on you for, like if you're the family IT manager or just taking care of stuff like that, if you're the one that pays the bills, all the auto pay stuff or whatever for your household, having all of that in a neat and tidy way can really make dealing with your death a little easier. That seemed like a good idea. And my wife and I have done a couple of things sort of with the same motivation. Like we have one password and I have her master password in mine and she has my master password in hers so that if one of us were to get hit by a bus, we could have access to each other's computers. And the being in one password means it's also in the cloud. So if her computer is with her when she gets hit by a bus, then Mm-hmm. And still access all that and it's all shared and so i like the idea of having each other's master password because we also we have a family one password plan and we have a shared vault which helps for some of that stuff some people in my family are more diligent about putting stuff in the shared vault than others but i think having the master password as a fail safe that would make me the most comfortable yeah uh totally agree yeah we use a shared vault we have our master passwords shared. And also, I mean, like you said, we're on a family plan and I've been trying to push, especially my mom, to use a password manager for a long time. And so to help her feel more comfortable with it, I've got her master password in our shared vault as well so that at any time she can call and say, I forgot my master password. What is it again? Yeah. (laughs) So I'll tell you if I can share a personal story for a second. That's kind of the whole point, right? (laughs) My father died from gastric cancer 
I want to say like 15 years ago, something like that. I'm not good with time, honestly. But he, he was battling it for a year and sort of got better and then started to get worse again. And I think in that entire struggle, he at no point admitted to himself, I think, that he may die. And as such, took no precautionary steps no at all to do mm -hmm. anything to make it easier for my my mother. And so when he did finally pass, there was just like credit card bills and business accounts and all kinds of stuff. And we were ended up having to go through his computer to try and identify stuff. And she was screening telephone calls because like you know, people just come out of the woodwork saying like, Hey, how come you're not paying your bills? And, but it's like bills related to his business, not related to the family. Anyway, it was like a real mess for, uh, for, for years. And it, it goes to show not just preparation in the abstract sense, but also that like end of life. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. Really trying to, to, Dot your I's and cross your T's and stuff. Lowercase J's. Yeah, no one likes to think of that, right? No, yeah. no one wants to think there'll be a day when they're not here. And if it, they do think there'll be a day, they're like, well, it's just so far off in the future. I got plenty of time. But I mean, you never know, right? You can get hit by a bus, the proverbial bus tomorrow. I, I like it. I hadn't heard of this. I didn't look at this, but uh, I like sort of the, how he just breaks down in this uh, GitHub repository. The first thing is like, who to notify that I'm dead, right? So mm -hmm. he says, write up a little message, say what happened. And then uh, on iMessages, contact these people. On one WhatsApp, tell this person or these people. On Facebook, tell these people. The people that you really care about that you want them to know. So it goes through all these different social media things and say, tell these people I'm dead. And then it goes through just different tech things like you, your emails, where's, where's the password stored? What are your emails that you use? If you own any domains, where are they? Your password manager on your computer, you, you know, what, what's the login for that? And then all the subscriptions, like how to, cause they're in your name, they're going to your card. How do you keep those running? So I think it's a really well thought out document. I, I probably need to go through this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm in the minority then because like you said, most people are kind of in denial about all this or even if they're not in denial, they just kind of think it's not coming for me anytime soon. But based on my hobbies, I've kind of <laughs> chosen to accept the fact that I could die at any time and be prepared for that. I'm not this prepared yet, but this is on my to-do list yeah. now. Because I'm thinking about it. It's like, uh, it's, I, I pay all the bills. I handle pretty much yeah. everything financial I handle. And it's like, if I died, my wife would have no clue what was yeah. what. So. Well, she doesn't know that it's there, but in my nightstand next to my side of the bed, I have an envelope with her name on it, my wife's name, and in there is a letter, like my final goodbye sort of thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a movie. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just leaving it there. I'm not telling her it's buried under a whole bunch of other garbage. And it's like, the intent is for her to find it. Wow. And I update it every five to 10 years. I know on Facebook, they have a way you can appoint a legacy contact so that when you die, they can set up like a memorialize your account because nothing's more awkward. Like I've seen like people that have been dead for a couple of years and Facebook says it's birthday and everyone's like, <laughs> happy mm, birthday, Joe, happy birthday, Joe. And he's been dead two years. I mean, that's, that's yeah. really that's awkward. Yeah. I've been personally uh, relatively fortunate in terms of uh, losing people. I have my grandfather on my mom's side, one of my uncles, and that's like all I can think of in terms of people who have died that are oh, wow. relatively close to me. And like, and I haven't had to deal with any of the fallout, right? And my wife, her, she's lost by now all but two of her grandparents. And 
the other two are <laughs> getting old. I think uh, one of them is going to be a hundred this year. Wow. Dang. Or 99. That's either 99 right or hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. And it's just like seeing my in-laws deal with the estates of their parents. It's kind of eye-opening and a little weird. Yeah. It is really weird. It's weird too, because it, unless you're in the middle of it, I don't want to say sometimes it's hard to have empathy, but if you don't necessarily have the immediacy of the feelings, you're just like in this holding pattern. Like you're in the supporting Mm -hmm. role. You have no idea when that supporting role is going to end. You have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour. You have no idea what's going to be asked of you. It's just kind of, it's exhausting. I'm not complaining. I'm just, it's a weird place to be. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is I find loss of that type to be extremely awkward like the sort of standard thing you say is i'm sorry for your loss and because everybody says that i always feel so like trite saying it and so i part of me wants to not say that but then it's like but then i'm making it about myself right if i (laughs) if i try to say something else it always turns out to be like whatever i can't help but try to relate and so then I feel like I'm making it about myself. So then I just like, okay, when my brain goes there, I'm like, okay, back up. Just say, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone everyone's very can be very awkward about talking to someone about death of a loved one. But from what I've read and the things that suggestions that saying something, even if you're not sure it's the right thing, they'll. it's important to say something, right? Yeah. It's, it's even more important is to maybe everyone like comes out of the woodwork whenever it happens, right? And right then at that point, that person's life they're probably pretty much overloaded and a little bit mm-hmm. numb. It's even more important to come, maybe come back a month or two and just say, Hey, and say something nice that you remember about the person. If you knew the person that died and if you didn't and say, I know you're probably going through a lot of loss, just thinking of you, just doing those sort of things really help people get through the grief process. Yeah. As cheesy as it is, my wife and I watched this show called This Is Us. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Sounds like you guys both watch Man, it. Sure, sure. That show makes me cry every single time. Every time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not every episode, but almost every episode. Every episode. And, and the, the one, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but the one that ha- aired relatively recently where Jack had to give a eulogy that inspired me, honestly. Like I started thinking about my parents and what I would say at their eulogy. And it kind of, as I started to think of the things that I would say, I was like, there's no reason I shouldn't say this to their face. Mm. Right. So I, it was already late at night. So I wrote my mom an email. It's like, this is all in my mind, blah, blah, blah. And I sent her this really long email, which is not a eulogy, but like, it was just a whole bunch of things that I thought of uh, that were nice about her, right? Like memories and things that I would want her to be remembered for and sent that to her. And she said, of course. When she got it, she like cried for half an hour. <laughs> he thinks I'm Sorry, dying. <laughs> she's no spring chicken. Man. She's what? I think she's about your age. Oh, Tim. Shut up. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm not your dad. Pretty sure. I'd be a lot handsomer if I was. If you were. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there is something very uncomfortable, I think, about giving someone access to your email, mm. even if they're not actively using it. Just knowing that it's out there, I'm like, it's not like I'm doing a lot of shady stuff, but there's 15 years of email in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you for those 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) All them kinky solution domain names. (laughs) And I I think you obviously have to trust your loved ones, but I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough one. I mean, you don't want to tarnish their memories of you, but at the same time, like... 
if they get disappointed in you or something, like it's not like you're going to be there to right. To that's true. What's yeah. not on this checklist in the the GitHub repository? What? Clear your browser history <laughs> for you, right? <laughs> Yeah, the first person you contact is your bro who's got the job of of <laughs> clearing your Although these days with uh, incognito mode, you just use that and you don't have to worry about browser history yeah. anymore. Or DuckDuckGo. Most of us. Yeah, you're talking about, talking about eulogies. If anyone's read uh, Orson Scott Card's book called Speaker for the Dead, it was, oh, it was yeah. a sequel to Ender's Game. But uh, the Speaker of the Dead sort of had this concept of that uh, whenever a person would die – they would appoint a speaker for the dead who wasn't necessarily even a person that knew the deceased. And their job was to investigate the life of the person who died. And then they would sort of give a third party discourse at the end and, and talk about their life to just pay homage to the person's life, good and bad. Right. And, and I think about that because in the story of Ender's game, Ender, of course, who killed basically an entire species of aliens, he became speaker of the dead for them. Uh, spoiler <laughs> it's only been what 20 25, years 30 years yeah so but uh, it, it reminds me kind of what you did with your mom it's like you can't say those things afterwards so say them now yeah it was cathartic really to take a moment because we all have these things right i should tell my parents that i love them more i should call my parents more and just show that appreciation and it was i i just got bit by the bug i i wanted to take some time to think about what I'm proud about and what I remember. And then when I was halfway through that list, I was like, this is stuff I should share with my mom. Like there's no reason to hide it and wait until after she's dead to say these nice things about her. Sometimes I get concerned that my dog doesn't know how much I love her. (laughs) I don't know that she can compute what it actually means, but I can just try to be good to her. She knows Ben. She knows. (laughs) That's funny. I've seen the pictures you posted that dog. (laughs) Now, what I don't get, what is home labs? He's talking about home labs on this. I I think that's just like, that might be specific to the type of technology they were using, like VMware type thing. But I, when I think about it, when I read that, uh, not article, but like the sort of intro to the repository, I just thought of it as like my home office, right? I've got a NAS in here. I've got my desktop computer. I've got my laptop and, all this stuff, like how's the house networked? I've got cables running all over the place. and Yeah. And then your know, online photos. I mean, that's a good point too. It's like people used to have photo albums. I don't think most people do anymore. So everything's online. If you could lose, your family could lose all those photos if they didn't have access to them. Yep. <laughs> and then your virtual coin, your Bitcoin and everything. <laughs> oh God. Do you feel like you can put important documents in your 1Password? I primarily use 1Password for logins, but I'm wondering if I should be scanning documents and just saving them into one password. And then it's like one point of presence for someone to have to know about. Right. I don't do that, but I know. So there's like secure notes and I've used those. Like, so I used to have a pretty big freelancing client and they got a little spooked kind of early on about the idea of me getting hit by a bus. And so what (laughs) I did, because, you know, I was, the the sole administrator of their website. So what I did was I made an arrangement with a a buddy of mine. And I was like, look, if something happens to me, here's my one password, master password. Here's the, this is what you can search for in there to find the note. My wife will get you onto my laptop sort of thing. And, and and then in that secure note was like everything about Mm -hmm. that client. So at least if I were to get hit by a bus, the deal was he would help them 
find somebody else that could take it over. He wasn't going to be responsible for it, but he would give them access. I have this filing cabinet next to my desk. It's like a two-drawer filing cabinet. And uh, honestly, I don't even know what's in it at this point. It's probably half of it's probably just tax returns from the last 15 years. But now I feel like I should go through it and make sure that there's nothing super important in it. And anything that's super important, I should make sure that there's a digital copy. Yeah, we have a fireproof safe. Oh, dang. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing huge. It's about the size. It's a little bit bigger than like your lunchbox you used to take to school in elementary school. And it's got keys, but I think that that's not so, it's not so much a safe. It's, it's a a fireproof box. And my understanding is like, we just leave the keys hanging in it and important stuff in the, is in there, like passports, birth certificates, the deed to our cars and our house and stuff. But then like, if the house were to burn down, the, like the hinges and stuff, I think like melt and it just kind of becomes sealed so that it can't get damaged on the inside. But then the, I guess, firemen or whoever are able to like crack it open. They have the right tools or whatever. So it's like the black box of the airplane yeah, for your yeah. house. That's pretty cool. I'm feeling very underprepared. I, I don't think about, <laughs> yeah. I don't think about death very often. Memento mori. Death comes for us all. Yes. All right. I think that just means death is coming, mm-hmm. but. I remember death. I don't think about death very often, but I do think about getting hurt a lot. And I think the, <laughs> the idea of getting hurt holds me, not, I don't want to say holds me back, but definitely the idea of being in pain stops me from doing things in, in, a, in a good way, I think. <laughs> Mostly. Elaborate. I, 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 I don't know. Like I, I, I would maybe take more risks if I didn't think I would get hurt or like, I, I don't know. I, if you didn't think you could get hurt. He probably started acting out super, you know, like superhero fantasies and stuff. Like I'm just saying that the, the, my, I don't think about my mortality in terms of death, but I, I think about my, like the mortality of the human body. And I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to lose my teeth. Oh, I've dreamed constant recurring dreams about like, I guess I grind my teeth when I'm sleeping. And so I've dreamed that my teeth like crumble and like fall oh. out. And that is the worst. I'm like, oh my Ugh. god, I'm, I'm going to look like a hick. I'm going to look. Like <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you some wooden teeth, right? Tim. It just freaks me out. And I wake up, I'm like, I touch my mouth. Okay, they're there. Okay. I'm pretty sure there was one or two Law and Order episodes about these websites where I think you would have to check in with the website once a day or once a week or something mm-hmm. as a as like a dead man switch. And then mm-hmm. if you didn't check in, the website would send out announcements that that you had been you had died, been killed, something like that. So there's services like winsend.com and futureme.org where you can basically compose an email but not have it delivered until a certain date. Okay. I know I've used that. You can actually, you can schedule email in Gmail, but I don't know if you can schedule it that far out. I think the (laughs) the one on Law & Order was specifically about the rapture. (laughs) No, it, it was specifically for people who wanted the email sent out after they had been taken in the rapture. And this was the email going out to everyone who had been left behind. But then the person running the service, I think, was the person who was killed. And, and, and so they, I think they had to be able to do something every day. And if they didn't check in, that was also an indication of the rapture. I, I know Outlook has a do not deliver before option, right? So if you want to send a, that in Outlook. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. So just... Remember death. It's coming for us all. Absolutely. Be prepared and check out the the GitHub repo in the show notes. This all made me think of that episode of WandaVision where they were saying that what is grief but mm. love persevering. Yep. Yeah, that's a good quote. That like was, that. That's deep. A real nice, well-written line of a TV show. <laughs> 
So this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Death. It's coming for us all. <laughs> Nobody makes it out alive. And listeners like you, if you're enjoying the podcast, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. And support from listeners like you helps keep the mics on, and we appreciate each and every one of you. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. All of our patrons get early access to an ad-free version of new episodes and our after show. That's what we're going to go record after we record this one, hence the name. And we really appreciate all their support. Our biggest thanks go out to our top patrons, Monty and Peter. You guys rock. Do you have a question or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? There's a lot of ways that you could get it to us, like sending it to at Working Code Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You could join our Discord at workingcode.dev slash Discord. You can email it to us at workingcodepod at gmail.com. Or... You can even record a voice memo on your phone and email that to us so that we can play your lovely voice on the show. That's going to be it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, guys, your beating heart matters. And when it stops, (laughs) the memory of you will matter still. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.